the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down, meet your soul. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Now, your host, Eric Cartier, Senior Pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary Church. Like a Welcome to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Hopefully you're staying warm today and your new year's off to a great start. You're in for a wonderful show today. A good friend of mine, Sean Rensel, is uh, with me, and we're actually on staff together at Rocky Mountain Calvary back in the day doing some youth ministry together, and Sean has planted a church, pastor a church, and now uh, started a ministry called uh, Simply Grace. Sean, it's so great to have you. How are you today? Thank you. I'm uh, very happy to be here. Just getting over sickness, but uh, uh, should be good to go for today. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, why don't you share with us just a little bit uh, about your life? You know, I know you're a native to Colorado, which makes you awesome. And uh, that's right. But just how you came to know Christ and, and a bit about your family. Awesome. So, yeah, born here in Colorado, grew up in Colorado Springs. Uh, and the way I got saved is a really funny story. So I actually lied about being abducted in, to, in fourth grade into these, uh, uh, one of those storm drains back behind uh, Panorama Middle School down there south uh, by Sierra High School. Uh, I called it the hood back then. So I lied about being – and then so my parents were all scared and the cops came and everyone believed me. It was totally a lie. And they ended up sending me to uh, private school. So on my first day at this Christian school, they, they, uh, shared, you know, they shared the gospel. The teacher was really great at sharing the gospel and I believed it. Mm-hmm. So first day of fifth grade, I got saved. And eventually when I was about 30, I ended up telling my family <laughs> that the whole thing was a lie. And it was really a, a funny opportunity to, <laughs> to, uh, come clean with my parents. So you hid, hid that lie for 20 all some those years. years. Yeah. All those years. Yeah. I was so embarrassed. Uh, yeah. but it ended up being good. And so then, um, really very soon I felt the call to like be a pastor, you know, mm. pastor Brian was my pastor yeah. at Rocky mountain. I was baptized there and had a girlfriend there. Um, and so I'm like growing up there in the church. Um, I mentioned my girlfriend there cause she's now my wife, Dana. And so that's pretty that's cool. awesome. Um, but, uh, I thought Brian's teaching was really tremendous and really like, uh, pointed and, and helped me understand the gospel and, so I really liked it. And so we ended up moving to Greeley at the beginning of high school to help start plants, Calvary Chapel Greeley. And that was uh, an adventure. It went through good times, tough times up there. But then right after I finished high school, I went out to the Bible college, um, wanted to dive into all that and just wanted to learn the word. Um, but let me let me just give a highlight of why that this is important to me. Um, so I, I remember teaching Bible studies while I was in high school, and I thought it was big stuff. Like, my dad was a pastor, and I, I thought I knew Scripture better than anybody as a high schooler. I was studying the Word, and so I kind of had this pride, you know, about me. And um, and I remember doing this little Bible study, and I was telling everyone, do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this. And 
and this sweet girl raised her hand and she, and she, her name is Mary. And, and she said, pastor, or she didn't call me pastor. She said, Sean, um, that all sounds great, but how do we do any of that? And I looked at her with all sincerity and said, I don't know. That's a really good question, but I think we're just supposed to try as hard as we can. And right there just kind of showed my lack of understanding of what the gospel truly was. But I went to Bible college soon after that, and there was a wonderful professor named Bob Hoekstra who just transformed my way of thinking and understanding of of the gospel. really blew my mind Hmm. with uh, what what the finished work of Christ was. And the first thing he said is so funny. He's like, if you think trying harder is how we grow as Christians, he said, I have some wonderfully simple news for you. Hmm. God's grace is actually the opposite of that. It's about arresting in the finished work of Christ. And how do we then participate in the life of Christ? Well, it gets into walking with him with humility and faith. And uh, so the, that became kind of the hallmark of what God taught me in that moment and what has kind of carried through my life. And so that was really the beginning of this book. You know, your your yep. book that you wrote not too long ago, that the title is, is Simple Grace. And yep. it sounds like that's when that deeper seed of God's grace was planted in your heart. Exactly. It's when the seed was planting and, and little did I know that it was going to be, um, not produce the fruit that I thought it would produce right away. Hmm. There was a lot of suffering that I had to go through because, I mean, you know my story, but I, I was married and, and, you know, had went through a really traumatic and brutal, um, divorce, you know, hmm. my, my, wife and I just, it didn't work out. She decided she didn't want to do the whole Christian thing. And we had kids and it was super messy. And I I was just devastated. You know, I was like, God, I thought I had done everything right. How could this happen to me? Mm. And, and yet always, there was always people uh, aside, you know, taking me aside saying, this is God's work in your life. And God is taking those seeds of his love and grace that he had planted in my life. And he was going to use that uh, t- that time of suffering and pain to produce um, what he wanted in my life. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's that's really really cool. I I think that we all have this concept where you know if I do these things, I should get this in return. Mm, and mm. Uh, you know, especially young people, right? Like you, maybe you grow up in a Christian family, yeah, and you're like, if I choose sexual integrity or I don't drink or whatever yeah. series of things, then I'm destined to have a blessed life, especially yeah. a blessed, blessed marriage. And was that kind of your mindset? In- Absolutely. You know, yeah. that's how my parents raised me. You know, you, you make good choices and good things will happen to you. And they, yeah. and they weren't wrong in teaching me that that's the way the world generally works. But in God's economy, you know, he he has a special plan for how he knows how to produce the fruit that really is what he wants in our lives. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that he did show me, you know, something special about grace and, and he gave me some, uh, you know, some pastoral gifts that I thought were, you know, could be used in his kingdom. But he you know, there's a saying that's out there and I don't know who said it, but they said before God uses a man greatly, he has to break him deeply. Yeah. And I'm so convinced that that's true. Yeah. Uh, and, and not just true, but it's something that, uh, we can pretty much guarantee. Uh, yeah. and as, and as young, young people are wanting to serve the Lord, they got to know that, that, um, the Lord requires, um, deep brokenness, uh, yeah. because that humility is so, 
I think, vital to seeing the Spirit really work in in ministry. Yeah, that's that's really good. Well, we've got to f- finish the story. You, you went through yep. that very difficult divorce. Yep. But then God rebrought you, you yeah, Dana into your life. And so fill us in on the second chapter. Yeah. So a beautiful um, conclusion to the story it was I was a single dad of three boys. Right. And I'm just having, you know, just waking up in the morning, like what has happened to my life? And, and these boys are all under, you know, five years old. And um, I think maybe six was our oldest. And, uh, and I prayed one night and I was like, God, I just, I need you to give me a wife. I'm not going to date. Uh, who's going to mm. date me anyway. Right. I, <laughs> I had a little bit of cynicism there. And, um, and I was just like, I asked for someone that I already knew someone that, that are, that had been through the same thing as I had. And, and the next morning and, and get this little data in my, MySpace inbox, there I had a message from, uh, from Dana just saying, Hey, is this a Shauna that I grew up with? And, and we reconnected then, uh, you know, we got married nine months later. She was a single mom of three boys and I was a single dad of three boys. So we got married, um, with six kids under six. Wow. Um, and all boys too, all boys, a little bit of autism mixed in there. And, uh, boy, it was, it's, that was life changing and challenging and talk about needing God's grace yeah. in very practical circumstances. Um, just another way that God has kept, uh, kept us humble. Um, but also she's the joy. In fact, my nickname for her is my joy and it's actually her middle name too. Um, so she's my joy. She's brought nothing but joy into my life. And, uh, so I know you're listening, honey. So love you. <laughs> that's great. Praise <laughs> the Lord. That, that's awesome. What uh, advice would you give to blended families? I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that are blended families and, you know, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say my advice now is like, listen and don't think that you know how to do anything like don't think if you're the dad or if you're the mom like just listen to um how how people are feeling um and try not to control stuff and that's that's really hard because i think that you wanted to control because you want to like do a good job as a dad and and you want your family to go a different direction than what it went before um, but you just can't control it. Yeah. You got to trust. You got still got to trust in the Lord. Sounds good. We're going to head to a break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks so much uh, for listening today. I have Sean Renzel live in studio with me. He leads a ministry called Simple Grace. You can find him at Simple Grace. Dot life and also has written a book titled Simple Grace that you can find on Amazon and also Audible. Sean, I love the, the title. I love the theme of, of God's grace. And what was the inspiration for you to write this book? Well, the inspiration is that I was a burned out Christian. Hmm. Um, when I first learned about grace, I was trying as hard as I could to please God and to grow. Mm -hmm. And, and so when I first got the concept that God's grace was a free gift and he was, he had already given it to me and it was accessible by any human being, not just myself, but anybody, no matter what our condition or our need or our filthiness and unworthiness, once I got that it was such a breath of fresh air and it was such a bright light of hope 
that I really just want to see that life transforming uh, impact uh, in as many people as I can, because as I've um, met many believers and, and gone through ministry and gone through life, I've I've met a lot of people that are trying as hard as they can yeah. to grow and to do God's will. And it just seems to be like, uh, like dead ends or, mm. or just they, they can't, it's like, you're trying to pick up that piece of paper on the table and you just can't get it no matter how hard you try. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, the new covenant of God's grace that is clearly taught in scripture. It gives hope to the hopeless. It gives power to the weak. It is everything that every person needs for every need uh, that we could have. And and so I just want that to get out there. And so that, that's what inspired me to do it. Also, going to a lot of churches and hearing a lot of sermons and not hearing a lot of really accurate descriptions of it. Mm. You know, I hear a lot of this is how our church can grow, or this is how we could do more or do something different, but not a lot of what Jesus did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are churches that do, and there are great pastors out there. Uh, but for a while, I wasn't hearing it, and, and I just hope to make an impact there. Oh, that's awesome. I think a lot of us in our in our minds know that, like, we can't add to God's love. We can't take away to God's love, but— we develop a system of works where it's like, well, if I, I read my Bible, God loves me a little more today, or I have God's favor because I, I went to church on Sunday, or I finally mm-hmm. started tithing. Like we, we really believe that somehow our works are connected to God's love and favor, and that's really not the gospel. Like we've already received his love and favor and, and grace and get to live in it and, and respond to it. And I find myself, like, I tend to always slip back to a legalistic mindset. Like, I want to put my works back into the equation instead of resting in what Christ has done. I'd say the way I describe it is every day I wake up and my default switch is on performance-based religion. Uh, And I think we all do that. I really do. Yeah. Uh, Because it's just so much of our culture and then so many of our sermons and so much of the even the Christian culture just— kind of navigates its way towards performance-based religion. And yet scripture is so filled that that's not what God is looking for. You know, the truth is it, Christianity is a done thing. Right. Jesus did it. Yeah. And what we enter into is the finished work of Christ. So then, you know, one criticism you might hear is, well, that sounds really passive, and that is, is of course, a, a mischaracterization. It's, it just it's, couldn't be further from the truth because there's, there's nothing as active as diving into the risen life of Christ every day. Right, yeah. You know, uh, Indiana Jones, when he's trying to step over that, uh, onto that invisible bridge, he had to take a step of faith, and that was, he was living in that moment, right? Nobody else was living as much as he was when he, Took the, put his foot out to step onto that invisible bridge. But I forget which one. I think the There's last too many crusade say, or keep something them all like that. Straight. Um, but it's such a great illustration that living by faith is walking. You know, it's putting one foot in front of the other, doing God's will. But how? It's it's with humility, saying God, I need you, and with faith, saying God, I'm going to trust you in this situation. I don't. I'm not going to trust in self and self-reliance, but I'm going to trust in you. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good. What impact have you seen uh, from the book so far? When did it come out? When, when did your book come out? <clears throat> came out early in the summer. Um, 
and I took uh, a couple years um, off, about 18 months off from ministry, and and so it was kind of my focus during that 18 months was getting it done, and uh, had some people help me with that, and it, it so since it's come out, um, you know, it's it's been amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've had people contact me that I've had no clue who they are, and just talk about a uh, life-changing impact that it's made in their life. And I've had a lot of people who are really dear to me that have read it and, and given, offered me their support. And um, so much so that I've, you know, gone full-time into ministry as, as a kind of a missionary of grace. So m- my goal is to travel around doing conferences. So this book actually came from a pastor's conference that I, um, began teaching, uh, and, and I started in Haiti and Dominican Republic, uh, taking pastors through because over in that part of the world and here too, but, uh, they really struggle with legalism. Like they, they, people go down start a bunch of churches, then the missionaries leave, and then they install these local guys to, to run their churches. And then people in the churches start sinning because that's what they do. And so the pastors who maybe haven't learned all this yet, they revert back to that mm-hmm. performance-based legalism and just start making rules. Just stop doing it. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. And we've all heard pastors just say, just stop doing it. And, and that's not the gospel. Yeah. That's not teaching them how to abide in Christ and how to walk with him in humility and faith. And uh, so I was doing these conferences, uh, simple grace conferences uh, with groups of pastors and seeing tremendous fruit there. That's kind of where the impact started. Um, even some guys planting churches here in America. So I've been doing some of that. And then, um, you know, now I got, I got a guy from Pakistan that found me online, found the book and uh, they're translating it into Urdu for their, their community out there wow, in cool. Pakistan. And it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. I got another connection with, I, I'm teaching the conference, which is basically the content of the book to uh, two guys in India, four guys in Africa. And we do that zoom meeting once a month mm. uh, on Sunday mornings. And so, um, and then, I'm teaching at various churches right now and, and, uh, men's retreats and stuff like that. But th- that's something I'm definitely, I got a couple booked right now, but I haven't even been asking cause I've been, honestly, I've been in the support raising kind of mode for a couple months, uh, just been doing that for a couple months and it's going really well, but, um, haven't been looking for, but I haven't been saying no either to opportunities right. and God's been bringing some pretty incredible opportunities, uh, to me. You know, there's a lot of downsides to technology, but Man, what a plus to be able to uh, meet with a believer in Pakistan and right? share with the church in yeah. Pakistan without even leaving your house. You know, it's incredible. Exactly. It, it, you know, that just to to highlight what they're doing, he's 23 years old. You know, the guy out there that that's my main contact and his pastor is 36 and he looks like like an old man. Yeah. You know, and, and they're both like, there's a lot of Christians here, but... You know, they're all underground, but you got to understand like the young people, they don't like their government. They don't Mm. like the religion. They don't like any religion, but they all want to talk about Jesus. Wow. Because he's he's not allowed. You're not allowed to talk about Jesus. And so it's the exact opposite is here. Right. Exactly. Jesus is rebellious. Jesus is rebellion (laughs) over there. So, so they're like, they want to take my book, which is a simple 170 page kind of handbook on what the new covenant is, what Jesus has given us, the promises Jesus made. And they're like, this is what we want for this entire revolution we see coming in Pakistan. And I'm like, oh, that's, I'm unworthy. That's, that's incredible. You yeah. Know? Um, so that's pretty, cool. pretty neat. That's really awesome to hear what God's doing. Cause I think when 
we hear the news and, and, and see the oppression in Pakistan. We don't hear the God stories of how God's yeah. moving in people's lives. Yeah, yeah, they said they've baptized 35 people this year. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Sean Rensel's with me. You're going to want to stay with us. We're going to head to a break, and we'll be right back. We've got a lot more for you on 100.7 The Word. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Hope that you're doing well and staying warm. I think we're headed into some cold weather uh, for sure. I've got Sean Rensel uh, with me. He's a good friend. I was on staff at Rocky Mountain Calvary for, for quite a while and now leads a, a ministry, simplegrace.life, and has written a book, Simple Grace, uh, as well. And today we're talking about the goodness of uh, the grace of God. And, and maybe it's been a while since you focused on the grace of God. Uh, pick up uh, Simple Grace. You can find it on Amazon and Audible. Uh, Sean, how is this book different from maybe others in the grace sanctification space. Sure. So there's a lot of great stuff out there. Um, there's, you know, Spurgeon and, uh, you know, John MacArthur, Andrew Farley, Michael Wells, you know, Major Ian Thomas and uh, Watchman Nee. All these guys are heroes. You know, they, they have written extensively on grace. Tim Keller has a wonderful book about grace. Um, and, in all of those books, I thought they were fantastic, um, but I felt like there was kind of a perspective that needed just needed to take something that I felt like sometimes seemed complicated and just present as simply as possible. Yeah. So my goal was to make it as simple as possible. So in all yeah, my... Yeah, I appreciate it's like 110 pages or so. 170, yeah. But yeah, but yeah it's... It's not, not 500 pages on grace. Yeah. yeah. My favorite review on my book. So I got all five-star reviews except one. And the one that's a three-star review, it's my favorite one because it's written by a pastor and he, he read it and he's like, simple grace, too simple. And he go, went on for four or five pages <laughs> explaining <laughs> all the things I didn't put in. And he's like, Renzel doesn't even state his soteriology. And mm. in my mind, I, I'm like, the fact that you use the word soteriology uh, is is the exact you know you're not the audience that I'm I want right. to understand God's grace, but I think God's grace is a treasure that um, every single believer has ownership of and has right to understand mm-hmm. it, and and it isn't that complicated. God sets up a really simple way for us to access it, and that is God gives grace to the humble, mm-hmm. James four six, but yeah. He opposes the proud, and this is a like all through Scripture. If you just get that one like concept. Pretty much all of scripture makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, why does anything happen in David's life? Well, when he's humble, God is with him. When he's prideful, he's not experiencing God's grace. Mm-hmm. You know, and you go all the way back, Adam, and then the kids, and and then Noah, and then all the stories in Genesis, just they circle around this idea that God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. And then the second aspect of that is faith, which is, you know, Romans 5, 2, we have access into this grace in which we stand by faith. When I learned those two words, words, faith and humility, um, that I call uh, relational realities, um, I didn't come up with that, but I've stolen it. Um, but it, it just it simplifies it so much for me. We always say re- Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. But what does that mean? How do I have a relationship right. with God? Well, God's very clear. Yeah, humble yourself before me, it, which which just means say to Him, God, I need you. Acknowledge mm-hmm. your need, feel your need for him. And then the second part of that relationship is trusting in God, faith, 
which is God, I trust you. So if you, if you just in your mind, imagine yourself walking with God, kind of going for a walk and your left foot being humility saying, God, I need you. Your right foot being faith Mm. saying, God, I'm, I trust you. And these steps that you're taking with God, that's how to have this relationship with God. Yeah. I love that. It's a great analogy. One of my favorite verses is Colossians 2, 6, where it says, as you've received Christ, so walk in him. And how do you receive Christ? Humility and faith. Like you come to understand your sin and then you come to understand God's immense love and you trust it. But then once we receive grace, it seems like we want to leave it, you know, and and to be able to, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. Like this walk is one of humility and faith, like, right. like you describe. Yeah. And, and each, each of these authors maybe have, has a different, like Spurgeon's book on the issue is called according to promise where he, he kind of looks at it's God's promises that we believe in, which is perfectly valid and perfectly an amazing mm-hmm. uh, work on the new covenant. And he's got another book actually called power and grace, which uh, looks at the new covenant in, in a different aspect, the power of it. Um, cause it's the power that works within us. Um, you got Michael Wells who, who works, who looks at it more from like the really practical counseling aspect of it. Cause he was more of a Christian counselor. He lived right up in Denver. Um, and then you have Watchman Nee who, you know, he writes much more like, um, uh, past, uh, pastorally and, and theologically, you know, he, he writes giant enormous diatribes of like like going really really deep and kind of covering every single angle of of things um mm-hmm. so every every book i think serves its purpose and has like a special place um in in the body of christ yeah. to help people out that's really good again if you want to check out sean's book you go to uh amazon simple grace by sean Renzel. you can also go to his website uh, simple grace dot life um We've hit hit on this a little bit, but let's touch on it a little bit more of just, you know, what's what's the main message of the book? Or I guess for the, the sake of, of, of the listeners, like if you were to describe the grace of God in four or five minutes, you know, how would you define it? How would you explain it to someone? Yeah. Uh, okay. That's, that's a great question. Uh, God's grace is everything that we are supposed to be everything we could ever yearn for everything Mm. that we're called to become offered to us freely Mm. through the person and work of Jesus Christ and accessed very simply by humility and faith. Mm. You know, that's, that's the main message of the book and it goes into each of the different kind of aspects. So the, you know, chapter one is just kind of general chapter two is talking about the old covenant of the law and why we have to understand that. And then our relationship with the law. But then I, I go into like the resurrection and Mm. the Holy spirit and how each one of these things is a different aspect of the new covenant of grace and, Mm. and uh, a different arena that the new covenant is completely sufficient uh, for our every need, Mm -hmm. you know, people in our world especially think that you need something else right you need you need a you need a counselor you need a this you need a that for for all these different things going on in our in our souls and and Jesus just claims to be sufficient i mean right. he really does and yeah. and he proves himself to be sufficient and so my point in the book is that Jesus is sufficient mm-hmm. and being smarter doesn't necessarily get you ahead in the Christian life. Hmm. 
but a relationship with God doesn't like, it's not like the smartest person has a leg up on that. In fact, it's it's almost the opposite. Mm. You know, it's the, the person who maybe sees themselves and views themselves as more simple, Mm. seems to have this ability, this uncanny ability to just humble themselves and say, I'm going to just trust in what Jesus says. Yeah. And that's kind of where I think that childlike faith. Yeah. The the child. Yeah. The childness of, of that God is searching for in in Mm. people. That's really good. I love that. So, so, so refreshing uh, for sure. You know, you touched about it a little bit on your life story and and we'll, we'll hit the break and we'll have to come back to this, but you know, Paul had the thorn in his flesh and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And you know, you've gone through suffering in your life. You know, how have you found God's grace to meet you in suffering? You know, we have grace for salvation, but God wants to give grace for weakness and suffering. And yeah, you know, Paul says at, at the beginning of Second Corinthians, he says that he had to go through something that's kind of this mysterious, unnamed suffering, and he says it, it was to teach me to stop trusting in myself mm-hmm. and instead to trust in the God who can raise the dead. Mm. And I think for me that that's what it is. Like I, like every human being I've ever met, I have an insatiable appetite to trust in myself, mm-hmm. and um, and God has had to train me along with all of his other children, uh, that we were created to live in total dependence upon him. Yeah. But that is how we can truly be ourselves. So some people are like, well, that's not letting me be me, but no, you were created for something so beautiful, but it's, it's completely in union with God. And, and that means that you have to, we get to look to him for everything that we need, everything that we're called to be, um, and that's that's where that goes. That's awesome. Stay with us. We're going to head to a break on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks so much uh, for listening. If you missed part of today's show, you can find us on the podcast, Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, anywhere that you stream your podcast. Hope that you're doing well today. We're talking about grace and Sean Rensel is with me. He's written a book, Simple Grace. You can find it on Amazon or Audible. You know, Sean, what is your most impactful chapter or your favorite chapter, kind of the home run chapter for you? Sure. So for me, it was the chapter on the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I, I a lot of people get confused when talking about grace and they think, well, if you give too much grace to people, you, you have no idea what's going to happen. Hmm. And in, in in my mind, as I was writing this book and w- kind of what I've learned is that people can't go wrong with too much grace. People hmm. are going to sin either way. So you might right. as well give them the one thing hmm. that can set us free from life dominating hmm. sin, which is grace. And, and the, the way that, God's grace does that is through his Holy Spirit. Hmm. You know, it's, it's a Holy Spirit covenant, the new covenant of grace. And the Holy Spirit is the power and the function behind everything that God has promised to give us and accomplished in our lives. And, and so it's like you, you're telling people you shouldn't give people so much grace is like telling them they don't really need the Holy Spirit. We can do this. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's just, not going to produce anything and it's not going to produce the the fruit that you want to see you know that's why it's always kind of baffling how christians 
return back to law keeping. Mm-hmm. It's like, why did we think that would accomplish it? The Bible clearly says in, in Galatians three, Paul says, were you saved by, by the hearing of the law? Then why do you think, you know, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians who has bewitched you into thinking that you could be made perfect by the flesh. In, in other words, there is no way that trying hard to keep God's rules is ever going to actually produce any transformation. But yet that's, if you ask a hundred Christians how transformation happens, you're you're going to get a very large majority that say you you, try, you you slap up a picture of the Ten Commandments and you do your best to follow them. And, and there's a lot of pastors that even teach that, and right. and that's just so sad. Yeah, right. Because what we need is the Holy Spirit, and and it's not like a mystery how this happens. God says He gives His grace to the humble, mm-hmm. and we have access to His grace by faith. So uh, those. You know, it seems impactful. It was really impactful to me uh, to to dive into that chapter and then try to explain it in a way that is simple to understand. Because yeah. there's lots of great books on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, a lot that I'll never read because they're too long. And <laughs> Me too. So yeah. I wanted to write a chapter that was 10 pages long that that could get that point across and help mm-hmm. people uh, and for me, it, it, it just, sometimes I would just be in tears, just writing, just full of joy. And so that's mm. how I know it was kind of, um, uh, impactful, yeah. uh, is when it was, it would kind of affect me mm. as I was just writing the truth that I felt like God was, um, yeah. So there you that's go. That's great. That's awesome. Did you ever think you'd write a book? No, I didn't. Uh, I'm sure none of my English teachers did either. <laughs> Um, Some of them could be listening since you grew up in the spring. Yeah, yeah. They'll see. Miss Flanagan might be out there. <laughs> she was my choir teacher. But uh, no, I don't. I never thought I would. Uh, a lot of sermon writing, you know, kind of got me going in that direction. But writing the books, he wasn't really my goal. And it, it still really isn't my goal. It was a tool. So so basically, a couple years ago, I was, I felt called by God to um, to end the work that we were doing at uh, at our church and, and go out as kind of a missionary preaching about grace like this. And, and I, I started putting some feelers out there and I had a couple conversations and one of the conversations just struck me and it was a guy who said, yeah, it all sounds great, but do you have a book or something that I can kind of check out what you're teaching and what this is all about? And I said, no, but that's a really good idea. And I didn't like fault him for saying that I didn't, right. I, in fact, I really feel like God kind of confirmed in my heart. Yeah, that's, that's what you need to do. Hmm. And so I did, I took 18 months aside and just like, Hey, I'm going to do this as a kind of the first step in, uh, as a tool to, so that people know like kind of what, it, what I'm all about. Um, and as I did that, it completed it. It's been very useful. It's done its job. So I've, you know, I have kind of this base or this foundation of what the ministry is kind of about and it helps keep me focused, you know, cause I, you know, I could go talk about eschatology or I could go talk about this or I could talk right. about that, but yeah, it's, it's simple grace and this is what I'm going to focus on. And, and so I do conferences and that's kind of where I really want the ministry to kind of be known for is, is for doing, you know, conferences and, and staff training and coaching of pastors, uh, because I don't need to take over anybody's church. I want churches to be healthy. I want churches to have 
the ammo they need to um, to be able to accurately teach you God's grace, the freedom that's in God's grace, and then, you know, be living in it. And it's really exciting to me when kind of a whole staff all starts speaking the same language about mm-hmm. grace, you know, talking about believing God's promises, humility and faith. And, and, uh, and it, it just, it becomes infectious. It becomes like we can kind of get our own culture because mm-hmm. our culture is supposed to be all about grace, but it gets about other stuff. Right. right. So I kind of want to be this, you know, just kind of a behind the scenes help to people in ministry, especially people in leadership and teaching so that when they're teaching, they have a really clear view of what grace is and, and how to communicate it. Uh, so there's just no confusion. Right. Right. Yeah. That's great. So that's kind of the essence of the ministry that, that what simple grace is and what I'm trying to accomplish um, by God's help. With good. <laughs> so maybe there's some listeners, maybe some ministry leaders that want to connect with you. What's the what's the best way to connect with you? Sure. On the website, simplegrace.life is a connection form. Uh, but absolutely, you can send me an email either also, which is sean at simplegrace.life. Uh, sean is spelled S-H-A-W-N, the correct way. And um, <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so Sean at simplegrace.live. You can look me up on Facebook. I'd love to be any of your friends and, uh, um, or LinkedIn or, you know, Instagram, all the things. So, uh, you, I'm not hard to find simple grace on Amazon is where you find the book, uh, audible also, that was a really interesting story, uh, how I got an audible, uh, ma- uh version made. Cause that was totally a God thing. I had no idea how to do it. And God did it for me very, very quickly, and it's pretty, pretty amazing how that all happened too. That's cool. Well, we've got a couple minutes, so tell us the story because okay, you shared it with me, and <laughs> I, I think the the story of how the Audible book came out is yeah. Just cool. So I was uh, I was at this conference in Dallas, um, Andrew Farley's uh, conference down there, and and I we were reading scripture out loud, and the guy behind me had this voice that was like. James Earl Jones and, you know, uh, Morgan Freeman had a baby and it was like, so incredible. And I turned around just slowly and I was like, bro, do, do you do professional voice stuff? And he's like, yeah, I do. You know, I'm the voice of this barbecue sauce here in Texas. And I was like, of course you are. Uh, cause he definitely sounded like that. And so as we were, uh, going, as we got to know each other a little bit, I was like, have you ever thought about doing narrating a book? And he's like, yeah, I think, you know, Jesus was telling me I was going to, someone was going to ask me that. And I was like, well, would you narrate my book? And he said, yes. So the guy who narrates my book is just tremendous. And he said it was his first book he ever narrated. Wow. But since this summer, when he did my book, he's done six other books. It's kind of opened up a whole new career for him as, as he's like kind of retired, but it's like a whole new career for him. He's so excited. Uh, he's like, thanks for getting me into doing audible. And I'm like, yeah, awesome, man. That's great. That's so cool. That's an awesome story. Well, Sean, thanks so much for, for coming in and just really appreciate your heart for the Lord and uh, your endurance as you have gone through a lot of difficulty in your life, but it's awesome to see God's faithfulness and his grace active, uh, in your life. And, Always good to to talk to someone who has roots here in Colorado Springs. So thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. I respect uh, the heck out of you and your ministry and and uh, still consider Colorado Springs to be home. So That's awesome. Once again, if you would like to connect with Sean Rensel, you can go to his website, simplegrace.life. Also, you can find his book, Simple Grace, on Amazon and Audible. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, God loves you and have a great night.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.